the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 438 for October 26th, 2014. The NSA approves the use of select Samsung devices, Microsoft drops the Nokia brand from its smartphones, and Google announces a new email management app called Inbox. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, the iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, before we get into the news this week, I was a guest on the Mac iOS Now podcast this week. It's not yet released, but it will be out this Friday October 31st, and you'll be able to hear me talking all about Macs and iPods and uh, iPads and all sorts of good things. So check it out at macIOSnow.com, and you'll hear me chatting with Bill this coming Friday. Jumping into the news, Samsung Electronics said on Tuesday that the U.S. National Security Agency has approved a number of its mobile devices for use by government officials to carry classified information this is, of course, a positive step for the smartphone maker's mobile division. A development, the development comes as Samsung continues to slowly work, but persistently to boost its appeal in the enterprise market, and they've cleared some of the technological hurdles to get ready their Galaxy devices for corporate and government high security needs. The company believes that winning the certifications from these top security authorities will help persuade corporate clients to switch over to Samsung phones from those that have been using Blackberries in the past. Samsung's mobile security platform platform called Knox allows users to have a virtual container within their smartphone that separates out work from personal applications. Samsung says the NSA approved the Galaxy S5, S4, Galaxy Note 4 and 3 smartphones as well as the Galaxy Note 10.1 tablet. On the same list of approved devices is Boeing Company's Boeing Black Phone. So good news here for Samsung. So a lot of people obviously switching away from Blackberries if they haven't already. Many using uh, iPhones at this point. Good news here for those that want to use Android devices. Exactly, because that split between uh, personal and corporate is actually pretty important if you've got to bring your own device program. That's where it really becomes a, a challenge because, like, you know, iOS, you cannot do that with. So if you've got to... A pretty, uh, pretty draconian uh, policy on your phone. Y- your company will just wipe the whole thing, y- everything, everything personal that's on it, even though it's your own personal device. And and sometimes it's a, it's really awful to get some of those policies off. So this is a, this is definitely good news. It is, and uh, you know, a lot of people using Samsung devices these days, and uh, would prefer to go with an Android-based device versus an iOS device. And uh, this is just another thing that will help us out here as we move forward in. The, uh, the choosing of whatever device it is that you want to use and that bring your own device thing is, uh, is in full swing here. Most companies doing some form of it today. Congress responded to comments made by FBI Security Director James Corney on Wednesday regarding security measures Apple and Google have added to their respective mobile operating systems. Both iOS 8 and Android 5.0 use encryption to protect the, your, their user data, and the FBI does not like it. Corney said last week that Congress has passed legislation that would force smartphone makers to provide a backdoor into smartphones for law enforcement purposes. Congress responded by saying that it didn't think the public would support it, and certainly industries would not support it. Civil liberty groups also would not support it. Senator Ron Wyden said similar, had similar thoughts, saying, I'd be surprised if more than a handful of members would support the idea of backdooring Americans' personal property. Congress believes that American, the American public is inherently distrustful of law enforcement's data collection techniques after the revelations made by Ed, Edward Snowden earlier this year. 
FBI's uh, directors say that they want Congress to update the 1994 legislation called the Communications Assistance for Law Enforcement Act, which required phone companies to make it easy for law enforcement to tap calls. The law states that companies shall not be responsible for decrypting or ensuring the government's ability to decrypt any communication encrypted by a subscriber or customer. Congress says that the FBI isn't going to simply drop the matter and it will continue to push for broader access to smartphones. Apple on Tuesday announcing its Q4 2014 earnings results reporting that the company had earned $42.1 billion in revenue and made $8.5 billion in profits during the period. The results compared to revenue of $37.5 billion and profit of $7.5 billion in the year-ago quarter. Gross margin was up 38% compared to 37% in the year-ago period. International sales now account for 60% of the quarter's revenue. In addition to reporting its earnings, Apple disclosed sales numbers for its main revenue generators. They sold 39.2 million iPhones, that's up 16.2%, 12.3 million iPads, that's down 12.5%, 5.5 million Macs, up 20%, uh, iPods was down 25% to 2.6 million, and iTunes had $4.2 billion in sales, that's up 8.2%. Accessories were also up about 13%. To a billion and a half. Apple CEO Tim Cook had the following to say regarding the results quote, Our fiscal 2014 was one, of the, one for the record books, including the biggest iPhone launch ever with the iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus. He said, With amazing innovations in our new iPhones, iMacs, and, and iPads, as well as iOS 8 and OS 10 Yosemite, we're heading into the holidays with Apple's strongest product lineup ever. We're also incredibly excited about the Apple Watch and other great products and services that we will see in the pipeline in 2015. Of course, the drop in iPod isn't that surprising because really they haven't updated that for years and years now. And it's been, uh, you know, an iPod touch. We were, you know, there was some speculation there was going to be an update because it really does need one. It's pretty limited on RAM and it's uh, I wouldn't say it's aging, but it just it probably needs an update. So. Uh, that's not surprising. Of course, they got rid of the the iPod Classic. Finally, the you know the old thirty pin connector is gone, and they you know they just left the same nanos there. So that's not surprising. But what is kind of surprising is the Mac. The the continued increase in Mac sales. It just keeps uh, trudging along. I think a lot of it comes from the dissatisfaction with the the Windows eight and Windows eight point one uh, from Microsoft because it's driving people over to Mac. It's driving me over to Mac. That's really kind of why I went for the the Mac on my personal side and. It's kind of looking at that uh, for the uh, professional side too, because Windows 8 is just not uh, just not that pleasant to use. Now let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, you know obviously the phones. More people are buying smartphones these days than ever before. I mean, you're pretty much that's what you're buying when you're going to get something, and um, kind of that uh, that easy phone to buy for entry when you come into that market, or if you've already had one and you want to upgrade, is the iPhone. And so there's no there's no surprise here. Um, you know, uh, talking about the Macs, obviously I'm, I'm with you on here. You know, I've been using Mac hardware for a long time, and uh, I just continue to buy it as well. So um, it, it doesn't surprise me to see more people using it. Uh, but you know, what is interesting to me is uh, is just how how dramatic of an increase that is. I mean, I would understand like five or ten percent, but we're talking over twenty percent here on the Mac. Well, and I wish I'd have those numbers, but the the overall PC market is just just tanking. I mean, it, 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 the numbers dropping just dramatically for everybody else in the PC market because you know it's a very mature market, uh, and of course we've got competition from iPads, iPhones, Android devices, Android tablets, all of this other stuff. But uh, you know the, the the PC market is basically Macs right now, and that's uh, it, it's it's 
very interesting because it's such a market shift, uh, especially, you know, coming from the late 90s when Microsoft was king and, and, you know, Macs and Apple were nearly dead completely with the exception of just a few, you know, publishing uh, functions that, uh, they, that they were really used for. But it just keeps growing, growing and growing and growing. And then in popularity, it's quite a, you know, it's quite a tale uh, from Apple, you know, being very popular in the 80s to, you know, almost oblivion and then coming back again. One of the interesting numbers here is is the iPad uh, at 12.3 million units. That's actually down 12.5 percent. Um, could be argued a couple of different ways, whether it's they or you know how people are are buying and they're not as, as many people are buying now, or we're just at a, a refresh cycle here where we're essentially talking about the the sixth iPad that has now come out or whatever it is. Um, uh, you know, it is there's just not as many being sold. Uh, I know I'm not upgrading at this point this year, and so I, I do see uh, I see maybe a lot of people thinking about it that way. But again, this is comparing versus the previous quarter of last year, which was also a quarter prior to the announcement of an iPad. So take a couple steps back with that iPad thing and think about how many people you know with iPads, which really not that many uh, people I know with iPads. And uh, let me guess the percentage of them that have iPad 2s is probably about 90% of them, I Mm. bet. And maybe an iPad 3 and maybe an iPad 4 in there. But how many people do you know with an iPad Air or have any intention of getting an iPad Air? And and no, nobody. Nobody wants to upgrade their iPad 2 as far as I've asked. Everybody I asked them, like, no, I like this. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I just had this conversation with my wife earlier today because I'm I'm trying to find an excuse to buy something. Right. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. And, and Best Buy has got a pretty good deal right now where you'll get uh, two hundred dollars in credit for an iPad, two if you trade one in, which is about as good of a deal as you're going to find at this point for a device that's now how old. I mean, this this thing was announced back in 2011. So we're coming up here in four years with that. And so uh, and and, I'm, and it, she's not the one that's using it. It's kind of the, the, the house one or the one that we use for, um, you know, for for other things. And so but it's just like no we don't we don't really need to spend the extra money for it and i mean if if it was a, a like for like thing it might be a little bit different but you're still going to end up getting $200 and spending at least 500 for a new one so what what's happened here is apple's made too good of a product really i mean it's uh, in consumers mind it's a great product and there's no need to upgrade but i think long term it's good for apple to have this problem i think you know in the short term the short term numbers you know you, you, oh it's not good you got to keep the growth going got to keep the growth going but you, you know i think it, it, it's uh apple can afford to take the step back and say how do we keep this brand going for the future and i think uh, i think this is actually good for them because everybody loves their ipads and they, they have zero interest in going switching to an android tablet for example i mean you would you wouldn't do that because you have an ipad too you're like oh you know i want something new i want to go to android no you will go get an iPad when you finally decide that iPad 2 you have is just not cutting it for you. So this is that's where you're getting locked in, and that's where then in the future the iPad sales will con- you know consistently stay you know probably on the upswing, kind of like the Macs are doing. And there's a lot of people that are using these things for for more and more, but at the at the same time, it's still very much a luxury item. I mean, it's not it's not what the that kind of that 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 truck that utility thing that you're using to get all your work done that's generally still laptops for most people and it's not the portable device that you take with you that's that's the phone and a lot of people try and you know try and make the tablet uh, into that device that they can do much more with which is great I, I really I, I like it when you can find additional uses for it but uh, you know that's again that's that's my wife's thing she's got my iPad 3 and is just like well, I don't, what do I really need something new for this has got a great screen on it it's got the built-in LTE I, I it's 32 gigs and I'm only using 
using 10, you know, what, what, what is it that it's actually going to do for me? And it's like, well, it's a little bit faster. It's like, well, yeah, but this, all I'm doing is really just, you know, checking email and triaging email and checking the web and stuff like that. It's not something where I need a lot of speed. No, it's it's not. And that, that's the thing. I mean, people are happy with their iPads, which is great. I, I mean, it, it is a good thing. But, you know, there are some, uh, you know, custom business applications. You know, you see them as point of sale. I just bought some uh, dog food down the down the street here. And, you know, they use an iPad point of sale system with a little card reader and everything. And, you know, I look at that. I'm like, God, you can run that thing on battery all day long. Use it all day as your as your cash register. Not have to have it plugged in. You can roam around the store with it. Uh, I, I, and it's the, the price of the hardware itself is Nothing compared to what typical, you know, point of sale cash registers cost. And, and you know, I was looking at uh, at at work myself. We've got a a, a, a web browser based uh, data collection system for uh, you know, like inventory and things like that, and, and labor reporting. And and I, I picked up some ultra cheap Bluetooth, you know, barcode readers on eBay for like. 30 or 40 bucks or something like that and you can connect them to an ipad uh, or an ipad mini or ipad 2 and run that thing in the browser and the whole the, you know the total package price is like 240 dollars where one of those symbol barcode reader you know terminal things are like 1200 dollars. so you can go through you, you can do things on the cheap even using apple products which to me just is kind of baffling i just upgraded uh to a new kind of uh, overall solutions, uh, building management type of system. And, uh, one of the things is, was a, a, a barcode type of reader thing for processing of packages as they come in and out. And, uh, it was the same type of thing where we could, we could, you know, do all these different things, but we ended up just going with iPod touches with this case on it, um, that you just use to scan. And it was, you know, less than $500 for the entire package for this thing, uh, easily updated. The apps are available for free, of course. And, uh, you just plug them in and, and if one ever gets lost, it's like, well, whatever. It's only a couple hundred bucks. It's, it's really not that big of a deal. Oh, it gets lost. You can turn on, find my iPod and actually locate the that's right. thing. I mean, that's, what's really crazy about it. I mean, it, it, it has all that extra service. You'll have to tell me what uh, model that is. I'm curious. Uh, you can tell me later. Cause I was kind of looking at a couple of those too. Yeah. Very fascinating stuff. How all this works. Um, actually, and, and to that point, the, the work order management system that is also integrated with this is run on iPads. So it's pushed out to iPads for managing of, uh, of all that stuff. And it's great because obviously you can view pictures on this big screen. You can also take pictures with it. It doesn't have to be, you know, an eight megapixel Marvel. It just has to be whatever, you know? So it's, uh, I think we've got iPad fours cause that was the deal that we got on them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty decent hardware that's out there. So it's pretty, pretty interesting stuff how all of this works, but Either, either way, going back to the actual story here, uh, a good quarter here, eight and a half billion dollars in profit for the single quarter. That's that's more than most companies, uh, you know, are worth. <laughs> so keep that in mind. That was just a single quarter. Yeah, and I, you in in the news about the iPad being down, I know I saw so much on that. Oh, the iPad's failing. Oh, it's off. You know, it's just gloom and doom stories, and it's just you know, you're, you they're just not really looking at the big the big big picture on the iPad. Yeah, lots of stuff going on, uh, lots of factors in play here. New stuff coming out. We're going to probably see 10 million plus iPads, excuse me, 20 million plus iPads get sold here in the holiday quarter. Um, you know, not to mention the fact that it's the holidays. You've also got two new iPads that came out, as we talked about last week. So lots of good stuff for them. 
The FCC on Friday said it is pushing the planned mid-2015 600 megahertz incentive auction back into early 2016 now. According to the FCC, court challenges brought about by broadcasters have impacted its original time frame. The FCC doesn't expect the matter to be resolved until the middle of 2015, which it was when it hoped to begin the auction. The FCC now believes it won't be able to finalize the incentive auction's rules until the middle of the year, and then of course won't begin to begin accepting applications until the fall, which means the auction will now happen in early 2016. Sprint this week added its new tier uh, or added a new tier to its data plans targeting those who don't need a huge amount of data. The new offering includes 1 gig of shared data which is twice as much as before but for the same $20 a month. Customers need only add a smartphone access change of uh, 20 or charge of $25 and they'll receive unlimited voice minutes and limited messaging and 1 gigabyte of shared data for a total of only $45 per month. So good deal there if you're someone who is going to be on Sprint. Canadian carrier Rogers announced on Friday that it has turned on LTE Advanced on its network in several markets throughout the country. Rogers is doing this all on the 700 megahertz spectrum, which will allow for greater penetration inside of buildings. The LTE Advanced is now live in the following 12 cities, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Windsor, London, Hamilton, Toronto, Kingston, Moncton, uh, Fredericton, Halifax, and St. John. Switching gears and talking about devices. First up, Apple may have begun invest uh, an interesting change here in investment in its devices, and a change of the new multi-carrier SIM was introduced in the latest iPad Air. And uh, so one of the things that uh, we've heard a lot about here is the uncertainty and amb- ambiguity when it comes to how this program will work. Mac Rumors reported this week that the Apple SIM card, which has been designated to be used by a number of carriers around the world, will have certain restrictions on it. So first off, we know it doesn't work with Verizon. Secondly, once you activate it on an AT&T plan, whether it's prepaid or postpaid, it will then be locked to AT&T as soon as you sign up for the service. Apple confirmed the report in a support document, and uh, basically Apple said that's just what they've decided to do. But, uh, of course, as you would expect, a T-Mobile CEO, John Ledger, has taken to Twitter, not all that happy about the change, and made uh, some comments about how this is going to work, and actually went through highlighting how its competitors are going, making it increasingly difficult to switch around carriers here. So it was actually in a series of tweets, and I'll just run through them here real quick. There's uh, about a dozen of them, and it was pretty interesting. So he said, uh, the first thing he said was, too much confusion out there around the iPad Air 2 and the iPad Mini 3 with the Apple SIM. Here's the way it is, just the facts. Number one, the Apple SIM... As conceived was about giving consumers the ability to choose which carrier they wanted. Number two, the idea was to let customers change their mind on, on which carrier they wanted over time. Number three, if you buy your new iPad from an Apple store, it has the new Apple SIM. But here's where it gets interesting. Interesting. Number four, Verizon, of course, chose not to play at all, not even on that Apple SIM. Number five, you can pick AT&T, but once you do, you can switch again. You can't switch again, which is, of course, he says, typical. Number six, if uh, if you pick another carrier, AT&T is then removed from the subsequent choices. Number seven, T-Mobile and Sprint have embraced the Apple SIM concept and you get as many choices as you want. Number eight, now let's look at how it, uh, what happens when you buy from a carrier store. Number nine, devices are shipped to the carriers are kitted differently. Number 10, devices sent to Verizon and Sprint are kitted with their own SIM. Number 11, AT&T and T-Mobile are kitted with the Apple SIM and it's pre-configured to that carrier. Number 12, clearly the Apple SIM is a smart move on Apple's part. It expands their enhance and enhances their position in the mobile ecosystem. 
Number 13, to activate your carrier store purchased iPad on another carrier's network, the SIM has to be replaced with the desired carrier SIM. Number 14, the non-configured Apple SIM used in devices sold at Apple stores or third-party retailers are not available to the carriers right now, but they might be. And here's where it gets a little bit more complicated. Sprint requires that an IMEI associated with a device activated with an Apple SIM be in their network registry to activate. So that means that an iPad originally sold sold in any other carrier store will not activate on Sprint even if you use the non-configured Apple SIM. That is unless the customer makes an effort for these carriers to include the IMEI in their registry. And finally, bottom line, this is complicated and it's an emerging change in the mobile ecosystem and we will have to figure it out as we go. So that second to the last one we were talking about the registry, that's what you had problem with trying to activate your T-Mobile uh, iPad on Verizon Network. They don't have it in their database. Same, you know, Verizon and Sprint both, are, and probably you know many other the CDMA carriers, just won't activate it because they don't have it in their database because they're thinking the it's the old school, old style uh, you know CDMA phones where they didn't have SIM cards. So this just just continues to haunt us as consumers to make it very difficult to buy a device that's open, uh, if you will, to uh, that, that wasn't purchased directly from them. Or, you know, luckily we can actually buy directly from Apple to have it work with Verizon or Sprint. But, uh, you know, the, at least Apple is able to push that through. But if, if we weren't dealing with the likes of Apple, we would have to go to the, uh, the Verizon store or the Sprint store to get these things. Yeah, there's, there's some interesting things that are happening here with this. And, and obviously I love the idea of, of being able to switch back and forth between carriers. That, that just sounds wonderful. Um, you know, in, in my particular instance, I'm still dealing with that. They were not able to uh, process a plan change that I wanted to do because the device itself wasn't in their registry. I gave them the the IMEI number and it didn't it didn't matter. They still couldn't figure it out. Um, and so I just am stuck on the plan that I'm at. I, I, I guess indefinitely. I'm not really sure what's what's ultimately going to happen if I ever really need to make a change to it. Um, but it's, it's a very strange thing that all of a sudden we, we have this issue where we can now bring devices from one carrier to another it works perfectly fine keep in mind uh it's it's the exact same device essentially as as these other carriers are using and uh it's the exact same device as verizon is using it's just again the, the number is not in their system and they can't seem to add it so very frustrating very difficult and uh as john ledger points out this is just a very complicated thing in our um you know in, our, in the industry right now and we're going to have to closely watch it and figure it out as we go to find out just how things uh play out ultimately but a very interesting innovative unique idea here with sprint uh and uh not having this but basically embracing it but having issues with it versus t-mobile's kind of openness at&t's lockdownness and verizon just not even deciding to play so interesting stuff there sticking with apple for just a second good news for sprint iphone users the carrier has recently changed its iphone for life promotion to allow upgrades to new devices every year versus every other year customers will be able to rent an iphone 6 or 6 plus on a 12-month plan beginning november 14th pricing for the yearly upgrade path starts at 30 dollars a month for the 16 gig iphone 6 35 dollars for the 64 gig model and 40 dollars a month for 128 gigs each storage tier is five dollars more expensive for the iphone 6 plus these charges are in addition to the 50 dollars charge for unlimited talk text and data 
bringing the monthly total charge to a minimum of $80. In addition to Apple's newest phones, the iPhone 5S will also be offered as part of the iPhone for Life plan, though only on the 24-month option. The 16-gig 5S will cost $21 a month, while the 32-gig version will cost $24. So still a very good deal if you're looking to upgrade your phone and uh, with essentially no money down, go in, get your iPhone, pay you know $80 to $100 a month, and uh, get a brand new phone here in a year. Great deal if that's what you're looking to do. Microsoft said on Tuesday that it plans to drop the Nokia brand from its Windows phones. Moving forward, the company will use the Microsoft Lumia name to refer to its phone hardware. Microsoft purchased Nokia's handset division earlier this year, but Nokia still exists as a separate company selling here maps and telecommunications gear. Microsoft has already rebranded many of the old Nokia apps to the Lumia name and told The Verge that it plans to begin rebranding its remaining Nokia properties in the weeks ahead. Google on Thursday updated its Android Wear platform that adds two features that gives the products additional functionality for independent use. First, Android Wear devices will now be able to track location via GPS without requiring a nearby smartphone. This means people will be able to leave their phone behind when they go for a walk or a jog. Further, the update adds the ability to play local music files stored on the wearable itself, allowing use via Bluetooth headphones, again, while leaving their phone at home. Google noted that tens of thousands of Android apps have been updated with Wear compatibility. In software news, Google on Wednesday announcing a new service called Inbox. This app, developed by Google's Gmail team, is a different take on email by categorizing emails and highlighting important details. Inbox offers three core features, including bundles, highlights, and then reminders or assists. Bundles categorizes similar emails, such as bank statements or purchases, to make them easier to read and delete as a group. Users are able to tweak which emails are grouped together, but Inbox will also do so automatically to begin. Highlights shows the important information found within emails, such as flight itineraries, event details, and photos and documents. Inbox is smart enough to pull in additional details from the web if they're not contained in the original email. Lastly, reminders or assists are tools for managing tasks and tasks and to-do lists. According to Google, Inbox can handle any type of reminder and can grab pertinent information also from the web. For example, if you make a flight reservation, Inbox will automatically provide a link for online check-in. Reminders can be silenced with a snooze feature that relies on time and or location to resume notifications. For now, Inbox is being offered as an invite-only beta, and they said those who receive invites can invite others to test it out. Google didn't say when the service might reach 1.0 status or become more widely available. Inbox is available to Android and iOS and on the desktop in Chrome. Google is sending out invitations to users to each new user will we'll then, of course, be able to invite friends. You can email Google at inbox at google.com for an invitation. So I did that this week. Uh, I'm a Gmail user, and so I got my invite on, I think it was Friday, and uh, so I've been using it over the weekend. And I guess the first thing I realized is that I just really don't use Gmail uh, all that often, and so it didn't really doesn't, doesn't add a lot for me. I don't get enough emails for it to really uh, be that much of a productivity um uh, you know, enhancement type of deal. So, uh, but either way, it still is very interesting to to see how they've decided to do this here. A very different take on 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 uh, email. It's kind of like Gmail meets uh, mailbox for those that have used the mailbox thing because you can snooze messages and stuff like that. And I, I did one just to see what would happen. I snoozed it until this morning, and then of course it popped up, and uh, it was it was there back in my inbox on my traditional Gmail as well. So it's 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 kind of a, the same type of experience. And I like I said, you see, you see with the mailbox, but. Um, 
you know, overall, it's I guess it's nice. It groups stuff like flight itineraries together, like it says, and uh, financial documents and stuff like that. So it's um, it, it's going to probably be very popular. I would imagine that there'll be people that just love this here. I know uh, my wife, as an example, gets just a ton of uh, promotional emails from different companies and doesn't doesn't want to unsubscribe because actually looks at them and is interested in them and stuff like that. It's just a matter of wanting to uh, to be able to process them in a different way from all the other emails that come in. So, uh, but uh, anyway, inbox at google.com is the email address. Send them a note and you'll get an invite here probably within a day or so. It's seemingly coming up pretty quick here for most people at this point. In other software news, Spotify on Monday announced Family Plans, a way to let family members enjoy music streaming on their mobile devices. The Spotify Family Plan allows up to five people to create their own account with their own playlists, favorites, and devices. Each account has access to ad-free and offline music playback and other Spotify premium features. The main account still costs $10 a month, but each additional account costs only $5 to add. Spotify said the Spotify Family Plan will be rolled out globally over the coming weeks. Yahoo on Wednesday updated its email application for both Android and iOS, and that adds support for travel and event notifications. According to Yahoo, the Today section of the email app will now show flight status and directions to the airport, as well as local points of interest recommendations at your destination. The mail app is also able to parse details from Ticketmaster or Eventbrite emails and will provide event details such as the start time and directions to the venue. The app is, of course, free to download and use. Microsoft this week revealed Garage. This is a group of Microsoft employees encouraged to tinker with applications and services for a wide range of platforms and products. Microsoft describes the Garage as a community of interns, employees, and teams from everywhere in the company who come together and turn out wild ideas into real projects. Along with its public unveiling, Microsoft announced several Android apps created within the Garage that are available from the Play Play Store today. For example, Torque is an app where for Android Wear that allows owners of such devices twist their arm to launch a Bing, not Google, voice search. Another next lock screen lets Android device owners see their missed calls, messages, and calendar appointments without unlocking their device. The apps are free to download, and more apps may emerge from the garage, not just for Android, but for iOS, Windows Phone, and Windows as well. Twitter on Thursday unveiled Digits. This is a new way for smartphone users to log into mobile applications. Rather than using their email address and password or social networking credentials to create app logins, Digits allows people to use their phone number, and after entering their number, users will receive an SMS code that they can use to create an account and log in uh, to the app for a first to, for the first time. After that, they won't need to log in again, and Digits is not associated with Twitter's main product, but is part of the Fabric SDK that Twitter is releasing to mobile developers. Twitter believes Digits is a more user-friendly way for smartphone users to sign into applications. It's available via the web as well as for Android and iOS devices. And finally, Apple on Monday releasing iOS version 8.1. This is an update for iPhones, iPads, and iPods. It activates Apple Pay and fixes a number of bugs. iOS 8.1 also provides access to the iCloud Photo Library beta and adds support for SMS messaging on iPads and Mac computers. iOS 8.1 is free to download over the air. So it's strange, though, with uh, the 8.0.2, we actually both had that uh, that iPad, or the, I'm sorry, the uh, the iCloud Photo Library beta was an option. So I know I saw that all over the place that they mentioned that this then gives you that support, but uh, it was in the previous version of iOS 8. 
Yeah, it was, and I just hadn't turned it on. I have now. Um, I decided to upgrade for that, uh, what is it, a dollar a month or something like that, um, you know, where I, you get the 20 gigs of, of storage available, and so I now have that, and all my photos are uploaded and now available through that. And uh, it, it seems like it's a, it's, a, it's a nice way to interact with photos. I just can't wait for the applications themselves to come out so that you can interact with them on a computer better. Yeah, that'll be great. Uh, they said early next year for Mac for the uh, the actual photos application to interact with that. But uh, of course, this this 8.1, you know, introduced the most critical feature, I think, uh, you know, for me personally is the SMS relay uh, functionality where now the iPad and the Mac now can uh, SMS just like you were using iMessage. It, it still has to run through your phone, but uh, for the most part, the phone's usually close enough to make this work great so uh it, it's obviously just infinitely handy and i've used it so much in the past week it, you know i can't even uh, can't even say how handy it is yeah I'm, I'm with you on this one it's been very nice uh, i've been doing a lot of texting actually from the computer is where i'm finding that i'm using it the most just because you've got a keyboard there uh and uh further just kind of pushing windows into the realm of obscurity for me and it just it's frustrating as i as i use uh max so so much at home and then and then not on the in the enterprise side i have to deal with that but of course i bring bring the ipad around so i still have that for more of a, a full-size keyboard experience i guess is what we'll say but uh you know yeah that is definitely nice um you know the the apple pay is now available um, it's interesting. I tried to use it a couple of times, a couple hours after it came out. Uh, and unfortunately I have one of those credit cards that needs to be validated. I didn't realize that until after the fact. So there are certain cards there that, uh, that you add that you have to then download a separate application and then validate the fact that you have added this to Apple pay. Um, and so I did not realize that when I first did it. So I actually went up and tried to process, I was leaving the airport. I went to process my parking while I was there put the phone up to the reader, it recognized it, put my thumb on the fingerprint reader, it said done, and then nothing happened. And uh, so I ultimately found it out about, I don't know, 12 hours later or something, I figured out what was happening. And so uh, either way, it was it was frustrating. Uh, but uh, just keep that in mind that you may have another authentication that needs to happen if you're having process uh, having problems with Apple Pay processing for you. Yeah, so it uh, I used it. Uh, I think the first day I used it at a local grocery store. They've got the uh, you know the NFC style terminals that you can use with Google Wallet or whatever. And and uh, yeah, the, the the phone got near it and the screen lit up and it showed me the default card. Card I only had one. Look, I, I did find one. I I didn't think I had one that was compatible, but I I found a Capital One card that did work. So you just. It, it says, you know, put your fingerprint on or says, you know, touch ID or something like that. And, and you know, I just held my finger down and the, the phone chimes and vibrates. And, uh, you know, the, the terminal said, OK, you know, paid. And then that was it. So it's it's just just like it should be. Any any response from the teller? Were they surprised by it or not really? Actually, this was at a self checkout. So, no, yeah. they didn't see it. They didn't care. You know, it just just was an easier way to pay. Yeah, the, the one thing that I have noticed about this and how this is going to work. So for the record, I have not yet processed uh, a, a payment here because I haven't found myself in a place that actually uses them yet. But um, the, the I guess it'll show up on your statement as something like APL mobile or APay or something like that. So just keep that in mind that you're going to have a harder time probably tracking where your purchases are made. Well, like for me in the Capital One, it showed me a mobile payment is what it said under the description of the uh, of the of the payment for McDonald's when I did that and also at the uh, the grocery store. So um, it worked there that my McDonald's experience, you know, I used it before with Google Wallet, uh, you know, years ago now. And uh, this time the the, the way the finger, it's a little different than Google Wallet because you have to use the fingerprint thing. And the the first time I did it, I think I pulled the phone too far from the reader before the 
fingerprint was done reading. So it, 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 it chimed and vibrated. My phone did, but it actually didn't get the payment at the terminal. So I just had to, you know, hold the phone a little closer and, you know, touch my finger again and then it processed. So it was actually, uh, you know, pretty easy. But just, you know, one thing I have to kind of watch out for while while operating this thing. And this is just, you know, obviously one of the things that came with this. Uh, we talked about the SMS and a lot of bug fixes. That was actually the the, the, the biggest thing for me was uh, the photo rotation issue was just driving me crazy. I had so many upside down photos and videos and sideways things that that was just critical that they got that fixed. And actually, that just happened to me last night. Mickey, I took a video uh, and it was upside down. Uh, so it's not totally fixed yet. Well, nope. hopefully they can get all this taken care of these bugs are just driving me crazy with this i i feel like this is as as we get more and more features into the os it's just it's becoming more and more buggy which i guess makes sense is because there's more to troubleshoot and deal with and stuff like that but man is it annoying when you're trying to do something and you've got all these problems that are popping up here and all you just all you want to do is do a core function uh you know uh, something like email email has actually been one of my biggest issues is it's just not it's just not as reliable as it once was yeah, and I've seen the same thing. I, I did a backup and restore on my iPhone this week just to see what would uh, what would happen. And actually, it seems like the push email is working a lot better because I'm having a lot of problems with that. Where it just uh, my iPad does it. My my phone was doing my iPad still doing it. Where um, the Exchange accounts that I have because I run two of them, you know, from the same server, but. The, the push email just it, it never comes after a while it just stops working it's like the device goes to sleep I, we've seen this in the past years ago this happened and, and it just doesn't wake up and then you have to once you launch mail or once you launch into something that kind of refreshes the app in the background then all of a sudden all the email starts pouring in but it, it shouldn't be like that so um it, it, it my phone's been better after i did the backup and restore on it seems to be keeping the connection working longer and you know i've tried some of the i, I looked through some support forums and turning things on and off and, and none of that stuff uh helped me mm, interesting well ultimately i think it'll be just a matter of of you know as as more people use this and they find out more of the issues that are there that they'll just be reported and, and fixed hopefully in a better manner but yeah i mean the, the thing that i'm seeing is that if i if my phone is trying to check for email and i get in kind of that i'll call it the wi-fi purgatory where you get into you know it's not good enough to download an email uh and it starts trying to check for it uh the, the phone is almost done i mean it's it essentially will not ever download that email and then it won't won't download any additional emails after that even after turning off wi-fi and turning it back on force quitting mail it's like the the little process data spinny thing on the top next to the the lte bars just just will not stop and i have to do a soft reboot on the phone in order to get it to work yeah you know what i would recommend doing an itunes backup and restore on that thing actually give that a try i know it's kind of a pain because then you have to reset up apple pay you have to reset up your touch id uh stuff doing that uh, because all that's not backed up to itunes so it is kind of a process now that it never used to be uh, also, I've still noticed with the even with the iPhone uh, doing that process, I'm, the, the the mark as red. If I view an email on any other platform, typically in the past, you know, with iOS seven and, and before the after, sometimes it'd be instantly. Sometimes it would take a little while, but the the, the message would fall off the notification screen as being marked as red, so it would just vanish. That's not happening anymore. So I can pull up an email that I read yesterday, and if I can grab my iPad and I haven't used it, that mail is still sitting there like it hasn't been read yet. And even in the list, if I open up the mail app, it still shows as as uh, unread. So that's still really annoying. 
Mm, interesting. I, I've got a lot of different things that I still have, uh, have seemingly have issues with. And it's, it's frustratingly the things that I use a lot. Uh, I have not seen that photo rotation thing, which is very, very key because that I take a ton of pictures, but, uh, either way, lots of stuff happening still here with iOS eight, uh, eight dot one is out though, fixing a lot of these issues. Hopefully we'll see some additional fixes coming here in the future as, uh, as time uh, ticks on just one uh, voicemail here from us this week it comes from josh hey Mickey, it's josh recording from denver hey so first off i want to say i'm totally jealous of joey ordering one of the new 5k imax that sounds amazing um yeah i wish i could get one of those um and second thing i have is that i am loving ios 8 i just installed the ipad uh, mini in my dash and I hooked my um, Bose Bluetooth headset up to it. So basically what happens is it's playing music through my speakers. As soon as I get a call on my iPhone, um, iPad rings, and I just answered from my iPad. So that that is working great. I don't need to stop the music. I don't need to do anything like that. Everything is you know working just as it should. Um, the second thing that I am totally enjoying is is um, my iPhone 6 and the battery life on it is amazing. Um, I just, I can't believe that how much I'm getting out of my phone now. I throw my headphones on at work and I'm just going all day long and I might have 40% left at about 5 o'clock, 5, 6 o'clock at night and that's after pulling it off the charger about, you know, about 6 or so. Um... I do a little bit of text messaging throughout the day. I don't know, maybe 30 to 40 minutes of that, maybe an hour of phone calls. Um, and, you know, and that's that's about it. And the rest of it's just audio stuff. So that's pretty awesome. Um, I did have one kind of complaint, though. I love my Verizon service here in Denver, but I don't understand sometimes the way things work out. I just had my phone basically suspended last night. It was working awesome. Everything's great. On my way home from work. And 20 minutes after I leave my job, my phone's not working. It couldn't make calls. Internet's not working. The works. I had to go into a Verizon store because I started getting worried. Maybe it was my SIM card that it just died somehow because it was really odd. I couldn't call 611. Well, I could call 611 or pound 8899 but I was getting no phone calls coming through. It kept telling me to reset my device. I go into the store, and they told me my phone was suspended. And they said their best guess is that somebody probably called and misdialed, and that's how my phone got suspended. It's really frustrating because I can't call from my iPhone and have that reversed. I have to actually go find a different phone, a landline or something like that, to have that happen. So just something that was really frustrating. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of that happening before, but yeah, not fun. So anyway, I love the show. Keep up the great work. And I would love to hear your thoughts, Mickey, as to um, if you're using your iPhone 6 with a case or if you um, are getting better battery life out of it, you know, whatever the case may be. Thanks. Keep up the great work, guys. 
All right, Josh, thank you very much for the voicemail. Uh, and thanks for your kind of feedback there and, and uh, information on how you're using iOS 6. It's very interesting. Not iOS 6, the iPhone 6 uh, and uh, iOS 8 now. You know, uh, just real quick addressing the uh, the issue that you're having with your phone being uh, suspended on Verizon. I think it's probably an isolated incident. Very strange that something like that would happen. And to your point, it, it could happen, you know, just about any time. I don't think it's related to anything else other than it was just, you know, someone entered in the wrong phone number or something like that. Uh, when they were going to to uh, to turn off service on a phone or whatever it is but either way kind of strange that that happened but to your questions here um so what cases are we using in battery life for me it's been uh it's been just the traditional standard iphone case the one that apple sells for whatever it is forty dollars i guess it is um i've got the black iphone i've got a black case on it so it's uh it's a very boring looking device to be honest yeah so i've got the uh actually due to the fact that the uh uh, Apple only had the gold 64 gig version available with Verizon uh, the week after it was announced. I, I went with that uh, primarily because I wanted the phone right away. I didn't want to wait a couple of weeks for it. And second of all, actually, I was kind of interested in uh, changing up from the black screen. I don't know. I just kind of wanted something different. And and I've always loved red. So I went with the product red leather uh, case on the uh, for the for it. So it's just the Apple, the Apple, uh, the actual Apple case. I did uh, order one on eBay the, right away. It was a really, really, really thin TPU uh, skin based, which was it's very transparent, uh, really allows you to see the gold color of the phone. But it was too thin um, because the camera juts out on the back of the iPhone six. So I did not like that at all because it was uh, too thin to protect the camera, um, but that was a re- that's a really nice case for like whatever the three or four dollars it cost me to get that. So um, if I wasn't worried about the camera, that that would totally be the case I'd use. So let's talking a little bit about these two. We've got screen protectors on our devices too, and uh, the one I'm using is the one that you recommended. Yeah, it's just a, it's a glass, uh, tempered glass, uh, very thin. Uh, it's thinner than the the old the you know iPhone five and five S model uh, tempered glass screen protectors. That was basically common. It seems like there's just one manufacturer that makes these things because they uh, every one seems to be the same. But this one's really nice. It, it's not the same. Uh, it's not the same as like the iPhone five one where it doesn't it, it doesn't go right to the edges of the screen because it can't because these have rounded glass edges on it. So these actually are kind of recessed in from the corners. But these now don't have sharp edges on the glass and they weren't really sharp but these are really rounded and smooth uh, in comparison so i i've i've been using the glass screen protector for what uh, a year and a half two years and uh, i just it, it gives me a lot of confidence i don't don't have to worry about scratching the screen because actually i did do that a couple basically right away with the iphone 5 uh, i had some minor scratches in it and and uh it, it's they've been working really well for the deployed devices at the office as well because some people have been you know going through the screen protectors like crazy but the phones are in absolutely perfect condition still after you know uh, uh almost two years with the the iphone 5s yeah, that's an interesting uh, you know way to to think about it. Here is it's just adding that additional layer of insurance or durability, I guess. Um, you said you did you drop yours and and you've got one that's uh, that it's broken. Is that on your actual your six that you've already broken one on? Oh yeah, you know I had it propped upright because I was using the flashlight and it just it 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 was just literally just propped upright and it fell forward on some a uh, little bit of sand. So I got a little little microscopic chip up in the top corner, kind of, and it's so tiny. Uh, you can I can feel it with my fingernail, but it's it. it it doesn't you can't even really see it it's so small but it's uh it's there so uh, but you know for five dollars i can just pop a new one on 
Yeah, that's true. It's they are pretty nice. I, I do like it. I, it's pretty much the exact same oleophobic, you know, screen coating. I will say though, um, I, I apparently have a device that doesn't have a perfectly flat piece of glass on the front because um, I I got one and uh, I tried it, and the bottom corners of it do not lay flat. It looks like there's air bubbles underneath it, and as someone who's kind of a perfectionist, it drives me crazy. Uh, and I got another one just to try it out, and it's still the same thing. I ended up taking the original one that I had the issue with, put it on my wife's phone. And, and it, it's perfect. It fits perfectly flat on there. So it's definitely my phone. Yeah, and I can, I can even see that on your video and you were holding it up just now. I could totally see what you're talking about. And I had that happen with my iPhone 5S. Uh, the flat screen protector that was on that actually had that same issue kind of around the home button uh, where it's, uh, yeah, that obviously the, the screen wasn't quite flat underneath of it. Yeah, and whatever. It is it is what it is. Uh, you know, I've kind of gotten used to it. I'm, it's, I'm annoyed by it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm liking the protection that, that that provides. So it's a good, good, nice thing. Uh, Joey, how did we, how did you find this group and where can people find, you know, just searching for tempered iPhone 6 protectors or something exactly just go to ebay and search for that and just look for uh you know a decent seller decent price uh you know it should be what was it five dollars six dollars yeah. uh you know i think i went uh, i think i had i've even picked one with the the u.s shipping i think and it came in a, a few days so it's uh and i think they're all basically the same the same actual uh piece of glass so uh pretty easy to install just make sure you clean the screen and stick it on there and yeah yeah, and it's it's not like the other types of screen protectors you've ever put on because it is a, a rigid piece of glass. Um, in fact, you can pull them off and re- reposition them very easily. It's almost like a static cling more than than an adhesive. And so, um, you, I mean, you could you could pull it off. It looks like a hundred times, and it would still adhere the same way. Yeah, I think so. You just you do have to be careful because you can break them peeling them off. They they will crack because mm-hmm. uh, when I take off the old ones that are chipped or something at the office, and I've you know I've actually flexed them to see how far they break and and you know testing them out after they've already been broken. So mm-hmm. they, and they're laminated, so they don't give you they're not sharp edges um, uh, when you when you snap them. They don't like shatter into pieces and go flying because they they are laminated. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty good uh, pretty good thing here though. So anyway, so that's that. Uh, and then on the the battery life question, uh, generally it's been pretty good. We're recording this show mid afternoon on Sunday. It's actually late afternoon for both of us. I'm still at 87 percent on my phone for the day. It's been off the charger actually since before six o'clock this morning. So I'm talking about 10 hours at this point, uh, and still looking at uh, less than 15 percent of my battery being used. That obviously has not been a, a heavy day for me, uh, but nonetheless, I still think that's that's pretty good. This is a, a much different battery much different experience than I've had in the past with iPhones. Yeah, same here, 77%. I, I used it, uh, not a ton today, but I, I did use it some, so that's pretty good for being this late in the afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in contrast, my iPad is at 67%. I had a lot of video streaming on that earlier, so it's uh, you know just kind of depends on what you use it for. But uh, Josh, thanks very much for the voicemail. Thanks for your comments and uh, the questions there for us to talk about. If you have anything that you'd like us to chat about, you can get in touch with us by sending email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or giving us a call to 206-203-3734 or like Josh just record the message on your device and email that voice message over to us and uh, they, they do sound a little bit better if you do it that way so anyway you want to get in touch with us please let us know and we'll get your questions or comments on a future show Joey thank you very much as always for your time we'll talk to you later thanks for listening For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.